We are in Psalm 32 tonight and talking about guilt and the grind of guilt. I ask you when you find that, just stand in God's honor as I read Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly Pray to you, while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach you. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have made forgiveness more than a dream. You forgive us. And Lord, I pray tonight as we look at your word, the grind of guilt the fight against you and how it's just not necessary. We have to be honest and we have to come clean before you. And Father, when that happens, there is a freedom that you bring. There is a forgiveness that is real. And pray tonight, Lord, as we look at your word, that you would speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. When you think about guilt, there's true guilt. And there's false guilt. True guilt comes when there's a cover-up. When we do something that we know is wrong. And it needs to be made right. And we just try to keep it covered. Hoping no one will find out. Matter of fact, as you look at Psalm 32. David had spent a year with a big cover-up. Here's a guy. Said that he is a man after God's own heart. That he had quite a list of sins as you you know look back in uh, his biography you see what happened to him he's up on the roof when he should have been out with the warriors and that ended up leading to seeing a woman bathing in an affair and killing her wife her husband and all kinds of trouble that ensued and he tried to hide all of that and the result of that we see in our scripture here as he recounts that, but as he also remembers the fact that forgiveness is available. There's true guilt, and the false guilt comes once we do follow God, once we do say yes to what he leads us to do, he forgives us. And at that point, it's not to be brought back up and dealt with again and again and again, but forgiveness is to be received and to be followed. 
I love that, verse 1 and 2. He says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. And how blessed that is. Whose sins are covered. One of my favorite pictures in the scripture is that we are hidden in Christ Jesus. And so when God looks down upon us, he doesn't see our mess, but he sees the master. Isn't that great to think that he looks upon us? He sees the righteousness of Jesus. I love that. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. God doesn't sit there and think about, well, let's see. Todd did that on Monday. He did that last week at 2 o'clock. He doesn't keep this record. That's, that's, that's not our God. So there's the true guilt and the false guilt. God has true guilt. It says in John 16, 8, when the Spirit comes, he will convict us of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness in regard to Christ. The way to deal with our sins is to run to Christ, and the Holy Spirit points that out. He makes us aware of our sin, but he also makes us aware of Jesus in order for our sin to be forgiven so that we can find that mercy that is so precious. Um, Max Lucado, in one of his books on grace, in the grip of grace, tells a story about a little boy, Johnny. For his birthday, Johnny got a slingshot and, you know, had fun with his slingshot. And he looked out the window and he saw his grandmother's pet duck. And before he realized it, he picked up a rock, put it in his slingshot. And for once in his life, he hit his target and killed his grandma's duck. Uh-oh. He thought, she will hate me. She will never forgive me. And so he went trying to hide the duck. But he had a big problem. His sister, Sally, saw what happened. And so it came time. You know, they ate supper. And after supper, uh, his grandmother says, Sally, it's your turn to wash the dishes. Come here to wash the dishes. No, Johnny says he wants to wash the dishes tonight. He's been looking forward to washing the dishes tonight. And he kind of had that look. But he walked over there. And as he walked by Sally, she whispered in his ear, Remember the duck. Remember the duck. And so this continued. Every night it came time for supper. And every, every night, remember the duck. Remember the duck. And poor John, he was miserable, but he didn't want to tell his grandmother what had happened. That's what happens with guilt. We try to hide it inside, and it can eat us alive. And God says we need to run to him to deal with it and follow what he tells us to do to find the forgiveness he wants to give. You know, as we read in the scriptures, we're told about another accuser. He doesn't say, remember the duck, but a type of duck, you know what that is. Something that you've done and... The devil just keeps bringing it back. Matter of fact, turn me to a Revelation, last book in the Bible, chapter 12, verse 10. And it describes him in this manner. It says, Now come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. It says, For the accuser of our brothers 
He is called the accuser. And what is his favorite pastime? <laughs> he is the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And it tells us here he's being hurled down. That is what the result will be. But for now, he continues to be the accuser. So what does he do? When we go to God and we find forgiveness, his voice is nearby to remind us of that sin, to remind us of that transgression, to replay that tape in our mind. Remember when you did this. Remember that sin. So that that guilt is placed before us over and over again. And the truth of the matter is, it's easy enough for any of us to be filled with guilt because we're guilty. I think that's why one of the things I hate more than anything is to drive down the road and there to be a police car. You know what's really bad? Is when they pull out behind me. And I'm going down the road with a police car behind me. Do you know what I think? He's going to stop me. Am I doing anything wrong? Hope not. But in my mind, I'm thinking, is there a tail light out? Was I speeding? Did I do anything where he'd stop me? And you know, I really hate it when they follow you for a long time. Why? Because there's this sense inside of me that I know that I do this stuff wrong. That I sin. There's a sinful nature that we all have. Uh, Carl Menninger wrote a book, Whatever Became of Sin. Uh, he was a psychologist. wasn't a Christian, but the point of his book is that in our culture, sin has all but disappeared. And so people have these battles with guilt, and they have nothing to tag that to. They have these psychosis and these different types of problems, and what they really need is forgiveness. And he said uh, in his book, he said, I thoroughly believe that if people who I deal with and counsel could find forgiveness, 75% of them, I'd be able to send them home without the medication and without the treatment. But there's a big need. There was a study that was done in 2006 at the University of Toronto where they told a group of uh, patients there uh, to wash their hands. In one group, they said, uh, wash your hands uh, to take away your guilt for you know whatever you feel guilty for. And they found that the people had two groups. They just said, wash your hands. One group, the other group, they mentioned to wash away your guilt. And the group with the guilt washed their hands uh, twice as fast, twice as much. When there was something that they felt they were trying to wash away, there was a desire to be clean that was uh, described. Look what David says. He he describes that need to be clean. Here was the pain that was going on inside of him. In verse 3, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. There was a groaning inside of him. He did not want to come clean. He wanted to be able to hide his sin and to go forth. But it was eating him alive on the inside. He says, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. God wanted him 
to find relief and to find forgiveness, but he wanted him to come clean with his sin. Verse 4, he says, My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. This is what he faced. And um, David's not the first or the last to try to cover sin, try to hide it. Matter of fact, one book I was looking at for illustrations talked about the methodology of politicians. They're picking on politicians. We all like to pick on politicians. But uh, it talked about a strategy of politicians. Listen to this. Oh, this is pretty insightful. Number one, don't get caught. Number two, if you get caught, deny, deny, deny. Deny you did anything wrong. Number three, employ a little righteous indignation. How dare you imply I would do anything wrong? Uh, he, he went on in there, used an example. He said, I remember one politician testifying before Congress, complaining I've never had anyone question my integrity. And the guy said, I thought to myself, well, it's about time somebody did. Uh, number four, cover up and delay responding to the accusation. Just cover up, give it some time, it'll go away. Number five, minimize the mistake. Yes, I did wrong, but compared to the, those other, this is partisan. Politicians are, you know, on the other side, they're, they're the ones that are really causing the trouble, not me. Oh, boy. Number six, deflect responsibility and blame. I did wrong, but it's not my fault. Somebody else is to blame for this. You're trying to pin this on me. Uh, you know, a lot of the cop shows that are on, one of the frightening things about some of these criminals that are depicted is they have no conscience. They're frightening because they have no real sense of right and wrong. And see, God has placed that within us for a reason. To keep us from doing evil and to keep us from harming one another. And to move us toward him. You know, I think of in a car. Sometimes I hate all those lights that come on in the car. Check engine, service engine soon. But you know how stupid it would be when I see the check engine light come on. And say, I hate that light. And take a hammer and just beat that light. I'm going to stop that light. Bam, knock it out. Or take a piece of tape and cover it. Because I don't want to look at that light. But look, the light's trying to tell you there's a problem. If you don't deal with a problem, your vehicle's going to stop and it's not going to run. The light's not the problem. It's telling you there is a problem. You see, the guilt is trying to tell us there's a problem that is to be dealt with. That there's sin to be dealt with. You know, you go back to Adam and Eve. What did Adam say? It wasn't me, Lord. It was that woman you gave me. Now, we sit and we say, well, he was blaming the woman. But listen to the whole accusation. It was the woman you gave me. So he was trying to pass the buck, pass the blame. He talked about Eve, but he also mentioned, God, ultimately, this is you who have caused this. This is ultimately your fault. One commentator gave this insight to the guilt that followed that. With sin and eating of the forbidden fruit. And he said. Adam tried to deal with that guilt. By covering his nakedness with fig leaves. 
Then he tried hiding in trees. And when that didn't work, he tried blaming someone else. And in this sinful response to God, Adam did the same thing our present culture tries to do. The sins of the child are visited upon the parent. The sins of the criminal are society's fault. Protesters aren't guilty. It's the politicians or it's the policemen who are to blame. Proverbs 28.13 tells us, Whoever conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You see, the guilt is a warning light to deal with a heart that has a transgression that needs to be brought before God. And there's an issue that needs to be dealt with. And look at verse 5. David deals with it. He says, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. There are other people often involved in the sin, but God's always involved in the sin. We always start with God. God, this is against you. And we, we just are honest before him. And, and, and come before him and, and share that sin that we know that we're guilty of that's plaguing the heart. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess. Confess means to agree with God. God, I will agree with you about my transgressions. He says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And notice what he said. You forgave the guilt of my sin. You set me free. It's beautiful um, as we think about it. He wants us really to be free from that guilt that plagues us. He wants to. Get, he really does want to give us a new start. And you know, I say that over and over again, but it's such such an awesome thing about Christianity. You know, that was one of the beautiful things. And I keep talking about that podcast I listened to about the Dream Center. Uh, this guy in Los Angeles, they had several testimonies on there as well, and. It was just amazing. People were just saying, my life was worthless. But then Jesus came into my life. And I'm a new person. I just love the fact that God says, you get a do-over. That's what he does. And in verse 7, what a great verse, isn't it? You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Jesus is a place to hide. Man, I know I'm guilty. That's why I worry about that police officer behind me. <laughs> Weird enough. But Jesus is a place where I can find that forgiveness. I don't have to live under the load of that guilt and be free. And he promises that he's going to instruct us, verse 8. He's going to teach us. He's going to give us that direction. He's going to counsel us. He is the God who is with us, who holds us by the hand, who leads us, who gives us the instruction, who guides our steps. That's the God that we serve. In Romans 6, 4 through 7, there's a beautiful picture of his forgiveness and how he transforms us. And I just want to kind of march through that for just a couple of minutes. Because it's just a beautiful um, description of God's truth. Starting in verse 4 of Romans 6, it says, We were therefore buried with him 
through baptism into death. And I love that because Jesus, when he died on that cross, it was three days before he came, was resurrected and found the tomb was empty. But there was death that he faced, death that he went through. And when we are buried with him and we identify with him through baptism, there is a death to our sin in God's eyes. You see, when he died upon that cross, he took upon himself our sin, the sin of the world. And and that sin, in that sense before God, faced a death. It no more has a power And our position before God is that we are not looked upon due to our sin. But when he looks upon us, he sees the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, buried with him through baptism and death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, a new start. If we've been united with him like this in his death, We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We live with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ day by day, guys. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. No longer slaves, but set free. Well, the story of Johnny. Johnny really struggled day after day. Remember the duck. Remember the duck. Well, one day he he just couldn't stand it. He'd had enough. So he said, I've got to go to my grandmother. And I've got to tell her what happened. So he worked up the nerve. And he said, Grandma, i got to tell you something. She said, well, honey. took my slingshot and I, I killed your duck. And she said, I know. And he goes, what? And he said, I was standing in the window and saw the whole thing. But I forgave you. I was just wondering how long you would be a slave to your sister. And I'm glad you're not a slave anymore. And see, that's what God does. When we come to him, He wants to take away that burden. He wants to free us. So the accuser, he wants to keep throwing that back at us. Bring it to Jesus and God. Be honest with him. And he'll forgive you. Now there may be something else involved in that. He may want us to apologize to somebody else or to make something right. But when we do what he tells us to do, He doesn't want us to keep revisiting it. He wants to set us free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for David's confession. He said, well, I was wasting away on the inside because I was trying to cover up my sin. But when I acknowledged my sin before you, God, there was a freedom when I confessed before you that I'm a sinner and that I need you to give me a new start, a new life. And Lord, that's the beauty of the gospel, that 
we are buried by baptism with Christ, with Jesus, in, in death and raised to walk in newness of life because together with him we are resurrected. And what a wonderful, wonderful promise of fulfillment. May we live in that freedom, Lord. Father, may we trust Jesus and find that freedom of the guilt that so often the enemy uses to control us. But that's not you. You want, like Johnny's grandma, to forgive us because you already have. We love you. But we have to receive that from you. Or we're separated in relationship. So help us deal with that, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.